All right, James, so tell us a little about who you are. Um, introduce yourself and give us a quick background. Yeah, so my name is James Gasper. I work at Interstate Office Products here in town. I'm the third generation of my family in this business now. So my grandpa started it in uh, 1971. Uh, my dad and my aunt bought it in 2000, and I joined the company in uh, 2017. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a good few years for me so far working full time in the company. I did work with them, um, you know, all through like high school and when I was uh, in college, just installing furniture and mm -hmm. um, doing odd jobs around the building, yeah. stuff like that. You know, yeah. things that happen when you're in a family business where you don't get a choice and you just get roped in and you know you're thrown it thrown to the wolves. So it's a say, it's so. a term we call voluntold. Yeah, voluntold. voluntold. The pay was good things. at least. It was better than working at McDonald's, so well, I can't good. complain. But yeah, uh, so yeah, we met uh, we met through the Young Professionals Network, right? We have. You know, I mean, uh, I've been uh, involved since uh, since 2017 or so, um, okay. active in the, in the group, and uh, yeah, I don't know when we probably first met at like a, a mixer or something like that. Yeah, kind of running with the same circle. Um, we've got a pretty tight core group of people that we hang out with in that YPN circle, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but tell me, tell me what you do at uh, Interstate. So it's a family business right now, but what's your role? What do you focus on? Yeah. So. Um, First and foremost for my role is business development. I'm out in the community. I'm, uh, I'm kind of the brand ambassador for the company. I'm the one that's making sure our, uh, our name is still heard and we're still relevant. So um, it's working. We are, we are the number one uh, furniture, office furniture dealer in uh, Sioux Falls for market share. So clearly what we're doing is, is something right. Um, Excellent. Probably more on the follow through than on me running around <laughs> town uh, at, at mixers for the chamber or wherever. But, but you're planting seeds. Uh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. And keeping in touch with customers. Um, but beyond that, uh, like I said, family business, small business, about 30 employees. So I do accounting, I do human resources, I do marketing, I do facilities, I, uh, <laughs> I install uh, furniture on the odd occasion where we're short-handed. So. Custodial work every now and again? Yep, I've had to, <laughs> I've had to mop up in the, in the basement, so, you know, and whenever the, it's a hundred-year-old building, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Leaks and... Uh, that is cool, though, because you, you like get that. to see, um, you get to see so many different sides of the business that you wouldn't always normally if you really dove into, let's say, accounting. Let's say you're an accountant at a firm or you're, you know, you're doing something very specific. Um, you get exposed to a lot more, just a lot more opportunities, I think, to, to learn things, to get skills developed, to, you know. Yeah, I, before I started um, permanently with Interstate Office Products, I worked for a, a local manufacturing company. Um, they had about 100 employees between Sioux Falls and Watertown. They just acquired a company up in Watertown, and they'd never had an HR person. Oh. So that was my, that's what I came out of, out of college with was a background in HR. And so they thought, yeah, uh, we don't want to spend too much money on this function. So for our first HR person we've ever had in our organization, let's hire a fresh college graduate. So I love it. That, I, I mean, that was a, definitely a learning experience for me. I was kind of thrown to the wolves in this company. They had just hired a controller too. She was brand new. So we were both uh, working. It was a family-owned uh, manufacturing company. So we were mm -hmm. both working with the family, trying to get all the uh, ducks in a row and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those companies that just became real big real quick. And yeah. uh, definitely uh, it, was a, it was a lot of uh, organization and, and stuff like that, trying to get the company in line. Um, but it was fun. It was a it was a hectic. I worked for them for about a year. Um, decided it wasn't it wasn't quite for me. The manufacturing world mm -hmm. isn't where I saw myself continuing. And my parents had a had an opportunity come up. They needed some extra help, so I uh, I came over and joined them. Good. 
that is interesting how um, even if something's not ideal, like or even if there's a period of like rapid growth and scale, and I came from an, the last organization I was with, I opened 92 stores <laughs> in about 18 months. Yeah, and you, so, I think like, you definitely had a familiarity uh, with that. We, yeah, like sometimes <laughs> things go to pot, and it's actually interesting because we're going to get into this a little bit more. Coming from like an HR perspective, um, having that be something that you're familiar with, having seen the scale, and then all of a sudden systems go out the window. Um, but knowing from not only what you guys do right now in your business, but just kind of your personal experience that culture is a really important thing. Um, it's, it's interesting and it's kind of mildly frustrating to see how often it gets repeated because you would think that there's enough examples out there now that it, people would be able to contextualize and, and have a little self-awareness to say, hey, we're growing really rapidly. So many other companies have grown rapidly and culture has just gone right out the window. Um, why don't we take a more intentional approach, which is something we're going to dive into a little bit later. But I want to pause for just a second and let, let's talk about like, so when, when we're talking about work and, and YPN and all these things that we do in Sioux Falls, what outside of that or are those the things that fire you up? So tell me a little bit about just what are you passionate about? What fires you up? What do you enjoy? Well, in work, um, I, it's, it's weird, but furniture is pretty cool, guys. I, <laughs> um, getting getting to know this company, um that I work for now, Interstate Office Products. Um, just as, as a kid, you know, having those dinner table conversations, talking about, about um, our clients in, in Sioux Falls, you know, uh, organizations that we're helping to, um, to make their people better by providing, you know, quality office spaces. Um, it's just very interesting. And it was something that, like, I, uh, growing up, I would always be, like, latching on to the next new idea about how work works yeah. and how, how people interact in the office. Um, so it's always been something that intrigues me. Yeah. Outside of outside of that, though, um, like Dan said, we've uh, we know each other through the the Young Professionals Network. I'm pretty heavily involved in that organization on the steering committee um, for that for that group, and I just love um, you know the opportunity to help help YPs connect in Sioux Falls. Um, definitely have a town that's. I mean, it's a city at this point. We have a city that it is really. A city at this point. <laughs> we have a city that really um, has done a good job of of kind of growing for YPs. Um, it mm-hmm. used to be, you know, we used to have a dumpy downtown that no one wanted to hang out in, and now we have these cool things like the Levitt and Gosh, breweries and the River Greenway and the Falls Park and stuff. So <laughs> I've, and we were just talking about this, so I've spent an embarrassingly uh, high, or an embarrassingly <laughs> high volume of time at this new bar called Treasury. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's listening and you haven't stopped by the Treasury at Hotel on Phillips, uh, do it. That's not a suggestion, that's a um, a strong recommendation. I still have it. So. But uh, yeah, well, here's your, here's your strong recommendation. <laughs> yeah, uh, they make a mean club soda. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Yeah. They do have some great NA beers <laughs> as well. Um, but I so I was in there and I was talking to a buddy of mine who's one of the owners and was he was telling me the story about just the the first or second day they opened up they had a couple who was from um, the other side of the country from the east coast who had spent the majority of the last three months driving around the U.S. Okay. And touring the U.S. pretty much. Yeah. Almost with this mission of like trying to find another place to settle. They've lived mm-hmm. in big cities their entire lives, all up and down the East Coast. Um, and they actually extended. So they were only supposed to be in Sioux Falls for a couple of days. They got here, actually started to drive out of town, decided to come back and stay for another week because they loved downtown so much. They loved the community so much. And it's interesting because we're on this we're on this cusp where we're getting to the point where you know we we had a new brewery and a new bar open almost every week or every you know every month it seems like something new is coming down. You mentioned Levitt, 
like Levitt is huge for yeah. our community. It, you know, the free concerts and everything just it gets people out. And it's not even just YPs. I mean, you know, it's you, everyone. You walk down there, it's a pretty pretty diverse crowd. It's funny that you mentioned that about a couple from out of town um, being awestruck by Sioux Falls downtown. Yeah. I went to a ribbon cutting today for the Spice and Tea Exchange, yeah. which just opened up on uh, on South Phillips there mm-hmm. um, near Fernson. And uh, the the owner mentioned that they had a couple stop in um, from Chicago uh, earlier uh, earlier this week, or right after they'd opened. And he was talking to this couple, and they said um, that they picked Sioux Falls to vacation to. Like yeah. out of the blue, they didn't. They didn't. Never been here before. Didn't yeah. have family or nothing. They just had heard about Sioux Falls and thought it was a looked like a, a fun little town. So whatever the CVB is doing for marketing, <laughs> uh, keep it up because <laughs> we're we're definitely growing as an attraction. I love it. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I think that um, it will see in the next five to ten years. It really will start to grow and take off, and it will be. Um, all of those of you that are kind of thinking about getting out or those of you that are kind of feeling stuck or, you know, feel like Sioux Falls doesn't have a lot to offer, just wait and see. Um, if you haven't found your thing yet here, we, we probably will eventually. But um, it's going to be nice because, you know, we've been part of the process of developing it, part of the process of shaping a city. I don't look forward to the traffic. And you're from a, a larger larger city. Yeah, I'm from Southern kid, California originally. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to any L.A. natives. Shout out to any IE kids. If, you, uh, if you're listening and you know what the IE is, then you know. Um, the 91 freeway around 3, anytime between like 3 and 7 p.m. is just a parking lot. Um, <laughs> like, just a quality of life issue. Right. Like, I've driven <laughs> I've driven in Seattle, and that was, yeah, we hit okay. at about 5 o'clock. And Even was, then, like, you're just... I was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> you're in your car for four hours a day. It's nuts. Like, imagine driving to Omaha and back every day, but you're going a quarter of the distance. My commute from northwest Sioux Falls to downtown is eight minutes. Yep. It's amazing. And you get pissed off when it takes 12. <laughs> I hit the wrong stoplight. Yeah. Sit and wait to... Like on Minnesota, <laughs> if you don't leave early enough, it'll take you 19 minutes instead of 12. It's, like, it's a blessing for sure. It is. And so I think once we get there, it will just be a paradigm shift. And that's the kind of the case for a lot of people is just shifting the perspective. Yeah. And so, I, I do have a, a few other passions too I can share with you. Um, yes. Married with a, a two-year-old son and... Uh, I love spending time with my family. We shout out to it. Mikey. Shout out to Mikey. He is a boss. Uh, he, he rules my life now. I but, love uh, it. He's, uh, we love going to the zoo and swimming and stuff like that. He's just, you know, every time I see him, he just, you know, he lights me up. And then and then fitness, too. That's, that's been my That's uh, another big thing. Passion. So about two years ago, I was, uh, I was kind of fat. <laughs> I wasn't that fat, but I weighed like 230 pounds, and I'm only six feet tall, so it's a little too much. And... I uh, decided I didn't want, you know, I, I was right right after, as my son was born, and like I was like, I'm going to have to chase this kid around, yeah. and I, I can't do it right now, so I yeah. really got into fitness, and you know, slimmed down, and got into fighting, you, fighting uh, shape. <laughs> got into fighting shape. Uh, what are you at now, or what have you lost so far? Uh, I've lost like 50 pounds, yeah, so okay. I'm, I'm looking to lose a few more. I've taken up running recently. Good. Uh Running is, is a lot easier, I think, if you weigh less. So, <laughs> don't <laughs> I know? It. Don't have to move as much weight around. But yeah, uh, yeah it's been uh, fitness a, is like I mean I'm I'm up at five in the morning trying to get a run in every day. There you go. Doesn't matter what time I went to bed, what how long how long it took Mikey to fall asleep. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. But you're building consistency. So we talked about that. Yeah. So congrats on the weight loss for one. Uh-huh. But two, if you guys are. Well, we'll have Jesse. It's they're coming in a couple weeks. Yes. Um, to talk to the YPN community, but um, there's a guy, David Goggins, that he lived with, and like you and I have both talked about how, um, knowing David Goggins' story, 
and like even just for me in the, like so even just for me in the last like two weeks uh-huh. has been extremely like I've always I've I've always known about it for a while since that kind of came out and he yep. was he was originally on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yes, that's so that's uh, that was the part of the impetus for me. Yeah, for me losing the weight. I heard David Goggins on Joe Rogan, which I'm I'm waiting to say Jamie pull that shit up to Dan when I have an option <laughs> when I have a chance. But uh, no, I heard Goggins on Joe Rogan and it just like uh, struck a chord with me. Like you know he said you know you know there's pain and, and suffering, but who cares? Who who gives a shit? Like just. Just push through it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know. Well, like, it's this way, it's this thing of, like, when you when you truly understand what we're capable of. And it, I had another guest on the podcast a few episodes ago, and we were talking about pain and discomfort and how it stretches you. Like, mm-hmm. when you're working out and lifting, it literally is you tearing down muscle fiber. It stretches you. Um, and David Goggins talks about, like, when your body, when you feel like you're done, when your body, your mind is telling your body that you're done, you're only at 40%. Right. Because your mind acts like a governor and says, hey, if you keep doing this, you're gonna hurt yourself. When in reality, you have a lot more gas left in the tank than you realize. And so it's been this, like for the last couple of weeks, one of the things I've, I've been saying, I, I think it's like a really important message for a lot of people. If I can do this, and you mentioned getting up at five every single day. If you can get up at five every single day and get a run in, if you can do that and you can win the day early on, if you can do that with your day, regardless of how the night before went, regardless how much of a little shit Mikey was <laughs> or wasn't, right? Like regardless of whatever the circumstance, if you can do that, you can do anything that day. Yeah. And like I think that's the power of consistency and just that kind of mindset that you're just getting up like, hey, I have to work out today. Yep. I have to get up and it's not about, you know, it's not about running a marathon. It's not about running 26 miles in the morning. It's about getting up and saying regardless of whatever mm-hmm. else the circumstance I will do this thing and like just when you feel that doubt creep in like you're like oh do I really want to get out of bed like you know oh, I, I had it the other morning I, I deadlifted the night before and my back was just sore and I didn't want to get out of bed but I'm like what what's stopping me it, it, a little soreness is that going to keep me from being better yeah so you just you just have to you know lace up your shoes and just get out there and, and, and just, yeah, like you said, take the day, make it yours. Mm-hmm. So that's a plug. David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Check that book out. Yeah. It'll change your life. Hopefully it'll change your life. Yeah. If it doesn't, you can come talk to me. For sure. We'll figure it out. Yeah, come <laughs> sit on this couch and we'll talk about <laughs> talk about working out and, and whatnot. Um, so cool. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of really good stuff there. Um, let's dive into some specifics. So we talked about some specific things uh, a while back that have to do with culture yeah. and structure and all these things. And I'm fascinated by this idea, so I just want to let, we shared a couple of things, so this might be the most informal part of the discussion, uh, but let's just get that out in the open. Where are you at with that conversation? We've had a lot lately, and you kind of run, you popped up here to the studio uh, recently, and we just recorded some conversation, which was fun. Um, but where are you at right now with culture where are you at right now with your understanding sure. of it and how it relates to your business so we sell the same thing we sell culture right well you sell it as a service i, I sell it as i want to break i want to break that down more because <laughs> i love that concept but i want to hear where this is going so um a lot of people think about their office and they just take it for granted they don't you know and unfortunately a lot of people work in as joe rogan puts it sit in a cubicle all day and he'd make it make it it makes him want to kill himself um there's you a reason, like you ever heard the term jumper gray? Jumper gray. Yes. Yeah. Like it's everything soothing. in those offices is jumper gray right. because they don't <laughs> like there's offices in Asia that have like barriers and like specific types of nets or like windows. Right. Because people have 
repeatedly attempted to kill themselves. Well, when you sit in a, ro- a room that's, you know, got a hundred cubicles with eight foot high walls and you're just sitting under <sighs> fluorescent lights and like that, that's your day and you sit at a computer all day, uh, it can be miserable. Mm-hmm. And that we, we need to stop that. And that's what our company does. You know, yeah. we're an interior design firm. You know, we sell, we say that we sell office furniture, but really we sell design and then the furniture comes after that. We, uh, we really want to, there it is. Okay. Take a, take a drink, everybody. <laughs> you already know. Cheers, Dan. <laughs> um, okay, so it's... <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is really ridiculous. If you've been listening, you know that I have a problem with my uh, notifications going on. He off. still hasn't figured... I think it's because he wanted to make a game of us. And him and Vani mentioned it, I think, on, on uh, their Treasury uh, conversation. It was a couple episodes ago. It was one of them. But... Uh, I think Dan is just afraid of turning off notifications well, and here's muting the, it. Here's the thing: like, I, I want, I'm like, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. <laughs> but what I, the point I want to make: you messaged me after one of these podcasts, or left a comment on one uh-huh. that said, "I'm convinced you're messaging yourself right. during these," and you've now witnessed he didn't do it. It just pops. It just happened. <laughs> somebody, somebody <laughs> opened an email, so I track all of my email opens. So like, somebody opened an email, and I got a notification. Okay. I apologize. Where were um, we at? Culture as structure. So I have this idea that I want to talk about like structure versus culture uh-huh. and how they shape each other. Oh, yeah. So I was saying, yeah, we, we're, I mean, we really sell ourselves in, as an interior design firm. You know, that's what, we, yeah. that's what we're providing to companies. Uh, a lot, we talk about engagement with our clients. We talk about well-being and we talk about um, teamwork and all those things are really big components of your organization's culture. And so when we're trying to sell that to a, to a, to a client, um, it really starts at the top because that, you know, you can't make a culture. I mean, a culture is going to form and you really need buy, uh, buy-in from the leadership mm-hmm. to, to make it um, the culture you want. You know? Yeah. Would you say that a culture will emerge whether intended or not? I think I commented that on one of your <laughs> on Apple Podcasts but or something on there. But yeah. if it's not one that you invest in, it will certainly be one that you pay for. You'll definitely pay for it, and that's why you have to go and buy ball chairs and. Why haven't we? Why haven't we done a like a like a partner like a B two B kind of referral thing? I don't know. We should talk about that. We should talk about that. Um, but the idea is interesting because it very much is, and like you guys that are out there working in, I don't know what your particular organization looks like but you could work in a queue all day maybe you have your own office lucky enough to have your own office which is great um i've worked in a lot of different offices and and one of the first jobs and you'll resonate with this too being in manufacturing so i worked in a manufacturing uh facility Uh and it was a very large facility but my office was up on what they called like the mezzanine right so like i was in uh, that was the master scheduler like up top Uh and so like it was just noise and like I was in this little like fake like like styrofoam walled like little room. Did you have a nice like window wind- looking I, out onto the manufacturing floor. I did. Floor. I had windows all around, but it was yeah. just manu. It was just the manufacturing yep. floor. And like actually, and and they had actually moved some things around. So I was just looking at like at just our inventory. So like mm-hmm. it wasn't even people bustling around moving. It was just shelves. So there's just nothing that to drive you except the buzz of the fluorescent lights right. and like a coworker sitting ten ten feet away that we spoke once or twice a day. <laughs> Um, and like I feel like I when I started there, people in that particular office hadn't they they didn't have like relationships with each other. So it's super interesting how then you know you go to a, you know you go to a different office, so you see these new offices and new companies really making an effort to make their space somewhere people want to be. Yeah, I mean the you really like if you're not if your office doesn't like enable your employees to do their best work, then like what are you investing in like as an employer? Mm-hmm. Like, 
you, do you want productivity out of your employees? Do you want efficiency? Do you want do you want them to be happy when they come to work? Turnover is expensive, Dan. Oh, don't I know? <laughs> so like turnover is super expensive, and you can continue. And at this point, so we talk a lot about the idea that it's it's not an added expense. It's already it's not a line item, but you're already paying for it. Right. Like so, if you have, I mean, if you just like, like if you paid three thousand dollars per person for your office, and it's a row of cubicles. Great. Why don't you spend that three thousand dollars per person better, mm-hmm. and and come up with a you know, um, a type of work environment. Drink. Damn it. <laughs> if you come up with a type of work environment that's uh that's gonna support people, um, something that like um, allows them to engage and collaborate with each other. Um, but you know, still gives them privacy when they need it, and still gives them the opportunity to retreat and, and, and refocus and re- rejuvenate. Um, you know, you need to provide different different kinds of environments in the mm-hmm. office. But if you just you know put in a row of cubicles and say, all right, managers on the end, everyone else fill in. The manager gets an extra chair in their in their cubicle, yep. and everyone else just gets fills in. Yep, just fill in. Or you get a cube buddy, and you're forced yeah. to sit in your cube with somebody, and like we expect then the best work or we expect productivity out of that right and it's interesting how um, it's interesting how you can feel it when you go into someplace and you can kind of you can make some and it's not assumptions at this point I think knowing like you spend a lot of time doing what you're doing now like we I think 3D have a lot of experience going into businesses and just right off the bat you can get a pretty good thumb on the pulse of what's going on based on this and this is where I want to talk about the concept of structure and culture mm-hmm. um because like the physical structure of a pace of a place is very much um, related to the the culture right or the social interactions that you have and so when you when you think about how we design everything and this kind of like this whole concept comes from my like educational background which is in sociology and and Mm. survey design and we thinking about thinking about social structures in the sense that there's certain pillars right so there's ideologies there's behaviors there's patterned ways Mm -hmm. of thought and then there's patterned actions. So patterned ways we purchase, patterned ways we spend money, patterned ways that we live our everyday lives. And then there's infrastructure, and that's all kind of the raw materials, right? And that could be the space. And so when you think about your office culture, or you think about your organization's culture, the ideologies, meaning the collections of the values, thoughts, beliefs, and actions of those people could be summed up as a culture. Right. But the culture can be influenced by the raw materials and the, and the, and the, the actual physical shape of the structure, the yeah. office furniture, right? The, the communities and different types of spaces you've set up. Yeah. Do you have areas where someone can go and get a little more solitude? Mm-hmm. Do you have areas where somebody can go and work a little more socially? Those are then going to shift the culture. But also the culture of the company is going to in turn have an influence on the structure. And so it's very cyclical. And that's why I kind of like the idea of the two being extremely related. Yeah, and and like culture, I mean, it's not something that you can just do once and forget about it. We're guilty of that in our own office. I mean, we've 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 recently realized that we're we have some severe deficiencies with how with how our you know space is structured and, mm-hmm. how, and laid out, and you know we're looking at doing some uh, some changes in our own office just to make sure yeah. you know we're set. We're, we're you know if we talk to talk to clients, we better walk the walk for our own business to yeah. to support us and make us work better. So. That's also true. You, you, you walk a tightrope uh-huh. when you do something that's providing that service to people where you have this expectation now of you need to mm-hmm. take a really good intentional look at it. But it's also nice because then you can use that as almost like a white paper right. or a case study when somebody says, well, what's the purpose of that? Or like, well, okay, what's mm-hmm. the, for a lot of small business owners, it's, oh, what's the ROI? Because they're very much focused on like, yep. I, you're asking me to spend $25,000 on this. Why? 
Yeah. And what's and, the immediate mm-hmm. return? And now you can go back and say, hey, we did this, we changed this, this was our outcome. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, there's there's all sorts of statistics we could get into about, about culture and about um, about how the workspace uh, impacts that, which, you know, it's too much for today. But, I mean, things like um, the health of your employees being supported by um, by the by the spaces you provide, whether that's height adjustable desks or mm-hmm. or um, ergonomic seating and stuff like that, or whether it's engagement where you're providing employees um, different opportunities, different ways to um, to get to interact with their work rather than just sitting at their desk. Whether there's a lounge seat they can go retreat to, yep. if there's a private enclave they can go yep. take a phone call in, um, that kind of stuff. All, all that's doing is, you know, if you're if you're supporting well-being, you're reducing your healthcare costs. If you're supporting um, engagement, you're reducing turnover, and turn, turnover is expensive, which which I said before. Um, you know, it, the the amount if you, if you've ever used a staffing agency to mm-hmm. hire someone, you spend um, you know for a, for a typical average wage forty thousand dollar wage, you're spending ten grand to hire that person just on a staffing um, on a staffing fee, and that's not including um, the lost productivity you've had because you've had to you've had to cover that person's role while it's been absent. Yep. That's not counting um, you know what you're spending on um, you know maybe un- uh, unemployment if it was uh, if if there was um, you know if, if you had to pay that on, mm-hmm. on the employer side depending on the circumstances the person left yep. um, you know or, or getting them into your insurance like all the time you're spending on um, on st- you know replacing that position it's just um it, it adds up and and uh, if you can do stuff as simple as providing a height adjustable desk at their workstation or providing an and, enclave for them to retreat to and that costs you thing, five grand right? and that makes everybody happy it's not complicated right like it, it's and again like we we man there's so many like things that i come back to that i just they're they're things that we run across to things that we've just known to be true and they're true time and time again the the solution for culture, the solution for engaging your employees more effectively, the solutions for a lot of these things, they seem complex. The principles behind them are extremely simple, but it takes mm-hmm. one, just a consistency of execution, but two, recognizing that that's, it, that's the only thing that it will take. Right. There is no easy fix to come in and do something once differently. And like that's where the culture has to change. So now is your culture coming from a place where like employees are measured by the, their productivity is measured in the amount of calls they make, the amount of time they're at their desk, rather than your VOC, your, your voice of the customer or your net promoter score. Yeah. It takes that shift in mindset to undergo and accept that change in the physical structure. But I think it's important. And like what I was looking at, I was trying to look up here, there's there's an article that we've written, it's a blog post, and I'll, mm-hmm. um, if I can dig it up uh, from our site, I'll throw a link out there. But we talk about the hidden costs of attrition. And attrition being kind of the inverse of retention, where right. let's say I've got a 75% retention rate, well, that means I've got a 25% attrition. Yep. So um, for all those out there that aren't in the HR communities or small business world, <laughs> um, it, those numbers do get thrown around a lot, and those terms, rather, excuse me, get thrown around a lot. Uh, but calculating attrition is not just the amount of money you spent to hire that person, but it's the amount of money you spend paying them to train. Yep. And the more technical the job, so let's say you work in finance, or the more you know, let's say you work in an organization where there's if you learn sophisticated software or something like yeah. that, yeah, you're spending all of that money, all the money that you spent on marketing and posting the job, yeah, all the money that you're going to spend in you're gonna, you're going to lose because you've had an employee now who was at a hundred percent proficiency, now you're hiring somebody who's at twenty five percent. It can be upwards of a third to more of somebody's salary, depending on how much they've made. So let's say. 
somebody yeah, makes a lot of money. I have a, a, a statistic that's um, not applicable to most, but in healthcare, um, the cost of replacing a specialty physician right now mm-hmm. is one and a half million dollars mm-hmm. to the organization to replace a specialist. I mean, and you know, you think a specialist maybe makes a million, a little more than that. I mean, it's it's their annual salary you're spending on replacement, yep. um, particularly in, when you get into specialized fields where it's very difficult to hire. Um, you're often relocating somebody. Yes. So, it, I mean, when you're in, um, you know, if you're hiring just a, a basic administrative office type position, maybe not spending their annual salary, but you're spending half of it. I mean, for sure. It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to think you're spending 20, 30 grand on, on just hiring someone new, um, you definitely want to reconsider how you can keep the people that mm-hmm. are productive to have around. Yep. The engaged employees. You don't want an engaged employee to leave your organization. If you are... If you're too busy hiring who you need, you can't find or you can't figure out how to keep who you want. Right. And yeah. You if you're too busy trying to just fill seats, if you're too busy, or you're just saying like I've got 20 open positions right now. Last organization I was with, they still have hundreds and hundreds of open mm-hmm. positions. Um, and th- you know, to be honest, that's that's not a slam. That's just a, a, a fact of dealing with rapid growth. But the fact remains, it's costing people a lot of money to hire and rehire and hire and rehire. Well, and even in, in Sioux Falls in particular, unemployment's at two and a half percent. That we're we're overemployed per uh, who is it they say four percent is a uh, is a uh, considered full employment four percent unemployment is considered full employment yeah for the uh, for the economy so two and a half percent means we're overemployed meaning people are employed into jobs they are not qualified for and yeah. that's okay if, if if your organization can train people to be able to do those jobs yep but odds are they were not they're not as efficient or yep. as as productive as someone um, with a little more qualifications could be. Um, and that means that if you have someone good, you need to do whatever you can to keep them. Yep. And that's not being done at scale a lot of the places right now. Right. And that's the fact when in the hospitality is one of those things. So you brought up um, you brought up healthcare. I think on the other end of the spectrum, when we think of like very specialized care, and I take you know I, I come from a hospitality background, mm-hmm. I'm in and out of some of the other things I've done. Uh, being a good server, being a good bartender, managing a good restaurant from both the front of the house and then leading a kitchen from the back of the house are very technical things. There's right. a lot of training and development that needs to go into those jobs. And people that truly know that and understand the cost of this ridiculous retention rates in the hospitality industry, how much money restaurant owners, how much money bar owners are losing every year because we've got more restaurants. We, well, I forget the statistic. You might know. But we've got so many restaurants per capita, it's ridiculous. And all of them are hiring all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you roll down 12th Street, every single sign on Taco John's or Pizza Hut or wherever is help wanted. Help wanted. And there's not a workforce for it. And there's not a workforce for the specialized fields as well. Um, I'm still struggling to find some of those people. So right. they, we got to do better. So let's, let's maybe like kind of like try to try to land this plane. What... <laughs> What value do you think um, you can provide? Like, give me give me one or two things that you think people can do better um, to keep their employees. And I'll do I'll do the same. But let's start with you knowing what you know, knowing your expertise from your business. Um, drop a couple of gems on them here. It's not, you know, it's not happy hour on. It's not the beer cart on Friday. It's not the ping pong table in the break room. That's not the kind of stuff that engages your employees. Providing them, um, you know constructive environment for them to be in not just the physical environment but in the way your your processes are set up um, how people communicate in the office how you as an employer 
um, communicate to people and, and are transparent with them and bring them in. Building that kind of environment um, where everyone's a team, you're working together, um, not just you're not just handing something along the process from, from start to finish, but you're all working collaboratively to bring it towards the goal. Um, that's the, that's what you have to do to to really engage people, and um, once you get them engaged, that's that's um, they're they're less likely to leave, and they're gonna they're gonna stick around and, and be on your team, and, yep. and they're they're gonna care about what they do, yep. and not just punch a clock. Yep, they're gonna work for them, not for you. Exactly. Which I think a lot of people so like going off of what he said in springboarding. I think a lot of people get it backwards when they think about employees, and they don't work for you; you work for them. If you're a leader, if you're an employer specifically, or if you manage a team of people, you work for them. Right. So understand the investments that you need to make into getting them all the tools and resources they need to do their jobs effectively. Mm-hmm. Because if you treat them that way, if you are able to influence them through the space you provide, the structure of work you, you provide, the opportunities for advancement, the opportunities for success, but also just the overall just general engagement. And like this is the expectations we have for you, this is the expectations we have for communication, and making that environment one that right from the beginning you're holding on to those things. If you're doing if you're doing that and really understanding that relationship, you can keep people longer and they will work because they they are inspired and influenced to work and do the things that they want to do because it's providing something for them. At the end of the day, they take home they take home way more than just a paycheck. They take home the collection of the experiences and the thoughts and the emotions they have at the end of the day. And like, let's be honest, who leaves the office at 100% every day? Right. You don't have to leave the office at 100%. I get it. Some days even I have like days where I leave this place and I work for myself and we talk about culture all day long. I've got days where I leave and I'm not 100%. But the the bigger reason behind why I do what I do, the people that I work with, the opportunity I have to influence other people gives me what I need to fill back up. And so whether it's your furniture, whether it's your culture, whether it's your leadership development programs, whatever that is, those are things that need to be done on purpose. Exactly. You can't just haphazardly throw together an office yep. and expect it to work. Cool. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Any shameless plugs before you go? I always allow people a shameless plug. Well, you let me shameless plug the last time I was in, but the episode hasn't aired. Uh, That's so true. People can't can't sign up for the Crossroads Summit anymore. But uh, shameless plug: David Goggins can't hurt me. <laughs> shameless plug: Jesse Itzler, Living with the Seal. Some great books to read um, um, to to learn a little bit more about about yourself and um, about what you're capable of. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple shameless plugs in here as well. Um, so shameless plug, Interstate's Office Products. Uh, if, you need, if you need something, <laughs> yeah. you need something I'll, I'll just, Let me just throw it out. Interior design, <laughs> office furniture, office supplies, and new promotional products, branding materials. If you, need, uh, if you need business cards with your name on them, if you need pens, if you need... Uh, I, oh, I just ordered some of these some cool uh, different repair tools with ball said, markers with my logo on them today. I said a shameless awesome. plug, not a commercial. <laughs> Jeez, um, I got a little heavy there. I'm it's sorry. okay. It's all right. It's not that kind of program yet. Uh, we're not sponsored yet. Okay. Um, uh, shameless fix it plug in post. for yeah. We'll fix. <laughs> That's our motto here. Uh, we will fix it in post or not. Um, this is going to air, so I will highlight. Uh, you can't sign up yet. Um, so if you do see anything about the Crossroads Summit, just be sad that you're not able to go. Um, probably but sign up 2021. What year is it? Is it 2019? 2020. No, it's there's not. It's every other year. 2021. Oh, 2021 for yep. sure. So sign up in 2021 <laughs> for Crossroads Summit. Um, shameless plug quick for YPN. If you are listening to this and you are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which if you're not, you're missing out. But if you're between the ages of 21 and 39. 39. Cut 39. you off. 39. 
It is the Young Professionals Network, and yeah. I'm sorry, we're not trying to tell you that if you're over 39, you're old, but we have to maintain some sort of. I had to. Uh, I had to revoke the uh, the mayor's membership card a year ago or so. Good. Yeah. Good. I had to kick him out. Yeah. Well, there's a time and place. <laughs> it's okay. He got elected. Man. Yeah. It's all right. I think he's doing fine. <laughs> um, but guys, if you are looking for a space to get involved, if you're looking for things, or if you are, you know, your business is a chamber member, you know, you have access to YPN, please come and look for James and say hi. Look for me and say hi. We would love nothing more than to get you connected with a group of people and just get to know you. So YPN is something you need to be involved in. Secondly, those of you think 3D fans out there, uh, August is our coaching boot camp. Be there. There's 20 spots left. It's really important. If you have questions, let me know. Uh, and then October this year uh, is our CultureCon 2019 event. This is going to be an annual event. We have more seats and tables open this year, but tickets are on sale now. Um, so go figure out uh, where you can find those. You can find it on Facebook, our website. I'll probably drop a line here. But those are just a couple of things that are going on. We'll have James back and we'll talk more about teams. And there's this really interesting idea about teams and, and the way that office structure is changing and, and work is changing. But um, thanks for coming on, man. This has been good. Yeah, thanks been for having a good me. Chat. Uh, you guys have a wonderful uh, weekend. This is, it's about five on Friday. I'm going to quick edit this as soon as I can and get this out to you guys. But I hope you had a phenomenal week. Um, I hope you've got some cool things going on this weekend. And we'll, uh, we'll be hearing from us again. You'll be hearing from us again uh, bright and early on Monday morning. So have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Dan.